has been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And we're back again. Uh, we're delighted to be here. This episode is uh, consists entirely of your questions. So we want to shout out to everyone who sent us some questions. We really appreciate it. Yes. And uh, this is a good reminder to just send us questions right now as you're listening to us. Yeah. Hit us up on Instagram at catchup pod at catch up podcast podcast and uh uh yeah just you know anything that's on your mind it could be not about hip-hop even you know if it's something very strange and creepy we may not answer it but we might mm-hmm. so you know go wild james what do your feet look like my james, feet are hideous james rathbone feet pics my, google it i honestly don't like feet i i respect people that are into it because it's like it's so wild to me. Yeah. I almost like, it's almost like I should have a feet fetish for how much I dislike feet. You know, when, like things go full circle like that. But yeah. I'm just like, no, like, uh-huh. thank you. Like there's, there's just, I think the feet are the ugliest part of the body. Wow. It's, I'm, I'm sorry to our, 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 our listeners who are, who are feet fetishists. We're very sorry about unless that. Unless hearing me humiliate feet like that Is does it? something for you. <laughs> in which case you're welcome. <laughs> True, true. Um, yeah, so just cont- just send us questions because what we're gonna do is we're gonna, like we're just gonna bank questions for whenever we do a mailbag episode, and um, and we might ask your questions. So we got a lot of really great questions. So let's like get right into it right now. Yes. Okay, so our first question comes from uh, one of our longtime listeners and uh, just an all around great guy. That is Triple Ryan. Triple Ryan. Um, oh, man. To what degree do you think artists need to start worrying about oversaturation? It feels like we get an album a year preceded by a ton of feature work, followed by a deluxe edition with more music from most rappers these days. Personally, it's caused me to go from being super excited about multiple artists to not really being able to listen to their music anymore. Mm. And I feel like I'm not alone. Notably, Gunnar Stahl and Lil Uzi fought about this recently. Yes. Gunnar Stahl is a photographer, uh, kind of like the photographer of... Of trap of yeah of the kind of SoundCloud set New Atlanta New Atlanta um, yeah. and he recently tweeted that deluxe albums ruined hip hop yeah and then Little Uzi Vert and this was the day after Little Uzi Vert's deluxe album with his joint album with Future Baby Pluto came out mm. and very famously Little Uzi kind of started the deluxe album craze mm. uh, with uh, Eternal Talkie too right um, and. It uh, so he 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 got took offense to this and kind of went back and forth with Gunner about this on Twitter, and anyway, this is something we've talked about a bit. We talked about it in the last episode in relation to the baby, mm-hmm. and it's completely accurate in that situation where he was my favorite new rapper basically last year, mm-hmm. and then by album four, also this guy released like four albums in a year, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I I guess two of them were probably technically mixtapes, but it was just like relax. I was just like, go away, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know. Per being prolific in rap, it goes back to Lil Wayne. Mm. Lil Wayne was the first rapper who really used the internet. I mean, there were other artists releasing internet mixtapes around the same time, but Lil Wayne was everywhere releasing, like literally, I mean, I it, I think he would record multiple songs a day mm-hmm. for years. I mm-hmm. mean, from between 2005 and 2008. And uh, at, ever since then, artists started releasing more and more music. He, you know, there would be trends where, I think like Freeway released one song a day for like months on end. Wow. You know, and it was like, this is like 2011 Freeway. Like no one, I don't know if his family listened to all those songs, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and then, so that sort of, you know, the power of the internet in music distribution uh, was sort of, that that sort of set the tone for it. And you would see artists like Future uh, on his come up releasing a ton of music, Gucci Mane releasing a ton of music. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was kind of more spread out. It was. And usually the only artists that did it, um, well, not all the artists that did it, because there were some people like Lloyd Banks or Freeway who late stage in their career who we weren't that interested in hearing all that from. Uh, usually were artists with diversity of sound, like Gucci Mane, Future. Mm. They have like a lot of different sounds to them. The mm-hmm. baby, not that many sounds. He has one sound. One sound, one two sound, sounds two, Yeah. Because now he's got his sort of like soulful. Thing. Yeah, like intro. Yeah. Uh, the intro off of like his, his one of his most more recent albums. Yeah. Uh, and then even Rockstar has that a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, this This actually reminds me as you're talking of like, it reminds me of this thing that like happened in the stand-up comedy world 
Um, so some of the listeners may know this, some people might not, but I was, I was a stand-up comedy, a stand-up comedian for like five or six years, basically. And there was this whole, I, I, when I started off doing stand-up, probably around 2012 or so, there's this idea in comedy that had really taken hold and it stems from Louis C.K. And basically what Louis would do is that he would do uh, like a new hour. So a new, a new stand-up comedy special every year, which inspired a lot of comedians to be like, okay, every year, I'm just going to write all my material, then I'll do a special. Or if I don't do a special, I'm just going to throw all that material out and start fresh the next year. Mm-hmm. And people were doing it almost as like a writing challenge as a way to not be lazy. It was a way to like show your work ethic. Mm-hmm. But the problem was not all these comedians were comedians of the caliber of Louis C.K. Yeah. So people, so what ended up happening is like these comedy specials started to get like more middling and more middling because people, instead of working with what you have and continue to develop it and making it really good and then maybe after the, th- the second or third year of working with this material, you put out a special, people were only giving themselves one year to do it. So it was like you kind of, in, it, you know, instituted this, this um, arbitrary prison on yourself and it really affected the output. So for, Quite a few years you're there. There was a bunch of middling stand-up comedy specials. Yeah. Now that's kind of like the, the process has kind of reverted itself back to what it used to be, where people are taking a little more time with it because I think they've realized like that was like it, it was a cool idea in theory, but actually in execution, not that great. Mm-hmm. The difference with the, with the with the music world is that sometimes when you're hot, you're hot, and mm-hmm. like you know, uh, as as the notorious Big said, uh, rains at the top are short like leprechauns. You know, so. <laughs> So you you kind of have to. So a lot of artists have kind of taken a, a strike uh, while the iron is hot approach. Mm-hmm. I think most famously in recent memory outside of the baby is Migos, mm-hmm. who just completely oversaturated the market and like did every feature possible, put out solo albums, put out albums as groups, and just like were everywhere to a mm-hmm. point that it kind of really has diminished their value in some sense. And yet they made fucking bank. Like there was on the, on the Forbes every year puts out this list called the, the hip hop cash Kings list where it basically recounts how, how much money the top 20 artists in hip hop made. Mm-hmm. And there was one year that the Migos were all on there and I think they all made like $16 million. So like that's three people to make that much money in mm-hmm. one year. So on one hand, you kind of see why they would do it. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it really does diminish their value and it doesn't make them special anymore when they appear on a song. It's just like pro forma. Yeah. I mean, I, like, you know, when I think about it with sort of like my DJ brain, it's like they are making it so that they will be an artist of just one period of like club appearances, and then I will never want to play them again. Mm-hmm. You know, with Migos, I mean, it was a there was like a blissful period when uh, Culture came out. Yeah, that of like how that's an amazing album. Bad and Bougie was such a good single. Mm-hmm. And t-shirt t-shirt i mean it was just it was glorious and then culture 2 came out with 300 songs on it <laughs> and no one's ever listened to the whole thing <laughs> not and, even not even people in migos or yeah, their management exactly they don't even know how these verses came to be you know they they just the migos flow took on a life of its own and and you know it was like some sentient ai thing anyway uh yeah i mean and and so migos now is is like cliche mm-hmm. so what is it's like I mean, I, I, you know, you, you wonder. I mean, maybe it is ultimately in artist's best interest. Uh, maybe it's in super fans' best interest. Maybe for the people who really love Migos or DaBaby or whoever, yeah. they can, they want that. And those are the types of fans that artists maybe want to serve. But for the more casual fan, you, are you going to go buy tickets to see a Migos show? Like mm-hmm. in 2016, going to see the Migos sound would sound incredibly fun. Yeah, now it sounds like a punishment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I guess on the other hand, what it does in terms of going to see a show, it's like it just gives them more songs in their toolkit to go to. Yeah. If some of these songs do break out, like one thing I will say about like Migos in particular is like. Recently, I was just listening to quite a few like offset features. Mm-hmm. That guy's a great rapper. He is a great rapper. He is. He he does tend to be pretty like two dimensional, mm-hmm. but he's a boss at those two dimensions. Like I was listening to his his like his verse. Like even think think of like his verse from Met Gala with Gucci Mane. Mm-hmm. It's like great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the song on his album with 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 Cardi B, uh, Clout. Yeah, I love that, that song. Sounds great. Let's actually listen to a little bit of Offset on Clout. That was all. Put it on. Screw. 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 Screw
talk crazy on tweets. Who? They don't want it cause I come to defeat. They don't want it. I peek, these niggas all sweet. sweet. Bamboo sticks all in the Jeep. Brr, brr. It's a new weirdo every week. Weirdo. Get the work, put it up for my seeds. Put it up. No cure for the IG disease. No cure. Do anything for clout. They do anything for clout. I think, but I think it's like what, what I guess the point I'm trying to make is that it even just like part of the thing about having a deluge of these songs is that it's hard for people to even appreciate when you actually do something really well. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to remind myself recently of like Offset is actually good. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, that's, that's uh, totally fair. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I take, I, I wonder. I think about someone like Future. He's mm-hmm. a good example because yes. He has put. He was so prolific for a really long time between 2011, 12 to 2017. I mean, I don't know how many releases he had. Like, and a lot of them were super fire, incredible. Yeah, I mean, the stretch from like Monster to um, Evol or whatever yeah, that yeah. thing was called, uh, Evil. Yeah, Evil. Yeah, Ev- Evil. It's it, it's yeah. It's spelled <laughs> with a no. It is weird. Uh, evil. until then was just like amazing and even the 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 two records he put out back to back a year later probably to their both of their detriments yeah hendrix were both excellent yes Um, man i was listening i was listening to one of the i was listening to a song on their scrape Mm -hmm. oh my god this song is incredible yeah it's just like it's just like it's like such a it's like taking the trap sound to like the furthest like spot like it's like mm-hmm. it's very much in line like with a lot of the other songs he's made but it's just like it's like he just amps up and like elevates like certain sure. elements of it let's actually mm-hmm. listen to a little bit of scrape sure. Sure. from cool. that from that album my future scrape it out the pot when i click 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 make me have to cook it off the counter make me have to serve you with the hammer make me have to put it in the freezer make me have to put it in the pamper banging is all you heard whipping cocaine up is all you heard banging is all you heard whipping cocaine up is all you heard banging is all you heard whipping cocaine up is all you heard whipping cocaine up is all you heard came in the house and it's like it's just interesting that he's able, he's made a lot of amazing songs. And then I would say in the last three years, he's made a lot of terrible songs. Yes. Felt phoned in. Oh, so phoned in. But you know what? You know what I also was thinking about in relation to this is like, you know, Future was signed to a deal by this Atlanta rapper named Rocco, mm-hmm. um, who had this huge breakout hit with a song called You, you Don't Even Know. You, you O-E-N-O? Yeah. You, yeah. How do you pronounce that? You Don't Even Know. You Don't Know. That's right. So, um... But Rocco is kind of like a like a bit of an Atlanta legend, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I guess future he sued Future because I guess Future had made another record deal, mm-hmm. and basically he was trying to like get his profits back. He's like, I'd signed Future this deal where I like I was supposed to get profits from a five, certain yeah, a certain number of albums. Like future lost this lawsuit or they settled it or whatever, and basically it it turned out that what what the, the settlement was was that Rocco was going to get 50% of Future's royalties on his next two projects mm-hmm. and then almost immediately Future put out two projects yes. and i wonder how much of, of the saturation I think it had to do with it for yeah sure. was like it was him being like okay i got to pay him off and then i also still have to make money for myself yes. so he just put out like so much uh music including a truly terrible mixtape with the deceased Juice World yeah which has for my money some of the worst rapping from <laughs> from an A-list from A-list rappers in the last few years yeah. is on this mixtape yeah, it was like you know talking about phone data is like this motherfucker was sleepwalking in the yeah, booth yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. i mean like it was it was terrible yeah but it's like but also his catalog is pretty strong nevertheless yes the deluxe, you know, the deluxe record thing is strange to me because I don't really understand why you don't just put out an EP or, or what, you know, why don't you put out more smaller albums mm-hmm. than like one thirty-song album? And I, yeah. I think it has to do something with the algorithm. I think I I think it is like because if you put out a, an album with a lot of songs on it theoretically a lot of people are just gonna listen to the whole thing through at least once, mm-hmm. which just gives you way more numbers for on. 18 songs mm-hmm. plus another 10 songs the week after than it would be if you did a 10 like a six song ep and then you know what i mean i mean but the, 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 on the other hand for me when i if i listen to a record one time and i'm not super impressed but i'm not taken with it there's not a chance i'm going to listen to the deluxe record. that's true that's whereas true. if it was uh, introduced as a whole new record i might be more willing to go back to that's it. true i do think that one of the things about the deluxe records is a lot of times that there are songs that are just not good enough to be on the main album mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. you know i think the thing the thing the thing that with uzi 
I think well, Uzi, that, that's not. I don't he, find it, that as a. It was it was example. a separate album. Yeah, it was a separate album. Um, and I think, but I also I think that Pop Smoke's deluxe album was good. Yeah, because it had a lot more like kind of like his classic sound, like drill songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, most most of what I've seen from the deluxe the record, thug, the Young Thug, so much fun. Deluxe that's true. Good. That that's some true. Good stuff on it. Yeah, but it has been really spotty. Yeah, and I mean, there is definitely also just a sense they're kind of. The consumer's getting gouged a little. Bit, yes, that's true. You know, and you're, it's like you're getting your attention's being being gouged, and yes. it's almost like it's kind of disrespectful to be like get excited about this deluxe album. Yeah, you know, a week after you just put out another album, it's just like, do you even care about any of this music? Yes, and I mean, I think that there there is a reason that the sort of artier artists of this time the ones who i think will have you could argue have some of the most timeless music are the ones who spread out themselves out like kendrick like kendrick like frank ocean yeah like solange yeah you know people like this who you know kind of sparing in in how they release stuff because they realize that you know there's a supply and demand factor to this mm-hmm. you know and, and I, I mean i think all these things are sort of cyclical. They're all trends. There'll be some artists. There'll be artists who realize this uh, more. I think in the future, as we get more and more sick of people, and the saturation balance sort of goes to you know, we goes too far. People will start putting out ultra deluxe records, and <laughs> whatever you know, like fifty five songs. Oh uh, man, that's you know, coming, bro. People won't even. I bet. Like, I bet it'll have some. Some artists will literally put out like a you know a 40 track deluxe ultra deluxe record and some of the songs will just be silent (laughs) you know like just totally gaming the system it is a matter of time anyway we've talked about this enough let's move on to another question yeah okay so this question comes to us via instagram dm from the voker the voker the voker it's uh the question is i am the voker (laughs) (laughs) shout out to the voker we appreciate you this question is is story of adidon the best diss track of all time think about it not only did Pusha sabotage the perception of drake's fatherhood but he also made him lose millions of potential dollars with adidas it's a great question it is a good question very good question question. i understand where why you would have that opinion I, i think uh, I, I was thinking about this earlier today before uh, we started recording. I think you can kind of break down diss songs into two types. Mm. There's sort of like the better disses and the better diss songs. Mm. So it's like an emphasis on which part of it. Mm. And, you know, the classic dichotomy of that, even though, you know, for I know there are probably some diehard fans are going to remember that these two songs have been remembered as a pair, but they actually weren't responses to each other. Uh, or Takeover and Ether. Mm-hmm. Takeover by Jay-Z, Ether by Nas. Takeover is a better song mm-hmm. than Ether by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it's got a great door sample. It's It's got lots of iconic lines. It, uh, it just, you want, you're not going to skip it yeah. when it comes on. Um, whereas Ether... I actually like the beat of Ether. It's, Me too. It's considered a bad beat by a lot of people. I don't think that's true. I like because, it. Because it still has resonance. Um, but it's a much more meaner diss yeah. than TakeOver. Uh, it has a lot of really personal insults in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and But again, you're never going to hear Ether in a club. Like, you're no. never going to you know, in a setting like that. It's not... Um, and, and, you know, we can go kind of go back and you can break most... Uh, rap songs into one or the other mm-hmm. you know a song like truth by gucci main kind of fits into both both yeah and and it's but i would say that's the exception you know um a few years ago remy ma and Nicki minaj had a beef oh yes and there was a song called sheather which mm-hmm. was released and that i think is maybe one of the only diss songs that's meaner than truth or the story of added on mm-hmm. it is such an incredibly unpleasant like this song nikki didn't even i think really acknowledge it uh-huh and no one really i think ever listened to that song more than once yes it was actually kind of unpleasant yeah let's actually listen to a little bit of she there by Remy are Ma. you dumb you a pink diamond chicken wing chain are you dumb you had a leopard beehive on your head are you dumb are you forgetting that i pressed you before bitch fuck nikki minaj I fuck with your soul like she the Will. you ain't the queen i'll show you nah. like all your ass and belly Lose. i prove you lost already they told you your whole career i come home and kill you right 
I told you I wasn't talking about your dumb ass and look stupid. You literally got a dumb ass talking crazy. And we all know that you dumb ass. You get donkey at a date. Yeah, you dumb ass. Let's be honest. You stole a line about bitches being your sons. How you take my 09 jail tweet and run? Talking about. I mean, it is, as you can hear, it is a uh, very hard diss. Yeah. But I would, you know, for that reason, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it in the in the in the greatest of all time. Now, story of add-ons a little more interesting because, it does, as you say, it did have some actual tangible effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a good, it is a good, it's a better beat in my opinion. The story of OJ beats a great beat. Yes, it is. Um, and yeah, there's some iconic lines in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 you're hiding a son detail. Yeah, you were hiding a child. Hiding a child is incredible. Yeah, uh, and, and yes, as he said, he lost his Adidas. I don't know how much that actually cost him. Yeah, I also I also think that he just went and did a deal with Nike instead. Yeah, exactly. Like it wasn't. I don't like, think it was a huge. Loss. It might even be more lucrative for yes. him. We don't. We don't actually. Yeah. Know. Um. Um. I mean, the, the, the there were a lot of interesting tentacles that came out of that, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like you know, the whole questioning of Drake's blackness, mm-hmm. like the blackface photo, like Pusher really had his private investigators on on. They were on their job, you and, know. And I I really do think that they um, it, there's something to be said for how successful it was in actually like I do think it hurt Drake's reputation. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, Drake was was pretty like unquestionably on top of the rap game mm-hmm. and and ever since then whether it's because it forced it, it made him go crazy and put a hundred songs on scorpion <laughs> uh or uh because he's kind of had this bitter angry streak a little mm-hmm. bit since then yeah um <clears throat> i think it was it's definitely one of the most successful diss songs yeah in terms of disrespecting and causing like a a, a, a reaction from your opponent I think in the in the sense of songs, I don't know that I would consider it one of the best mm-hmm. uh, because I don't really feel like listening to it over and over. But that might just be that might just be me. Maybe yeah. other people feel that. I mean, I do. I do think it's also it's 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 an uncomfortable listen. Mm-hmm. I would I would put in the uncomfortable listens part mm-hmm. because of how brutal it is and how you know mean it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. There are, there are a lot of great diss songs out there. Yeah. You know? I, I don't think I could unquestionably... Think of, like, Tupac, Hit Him Up. Yeah. Like, that's mean, and it's a good song. Yeah. You that, know? I mean, um, Who Shot You by Biggie. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, although there is some debate about whether or not Biggie actually meant that as a diss to Tupac. It's true. It's true. It, like, I mean... Um, if you talk to Biggie's camp, they say that it wasn't as... It was just coincidental. Right. It's just bad timing. Bad timing. Uh, um, no, I mean, I, they, 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 you know, if you listen to some of our previous episodes, there's there's some unheralded diss songs in modern day stuff like, um, you know, uh, this, the, all the songs that came out of the Ja Rule 50 beef. Oh, yeah. I clap mean, back. That's where that expression back. comes from. Yeah. Expressing uh, clap back comes from a song that Ja Rule made as a diss to 50 Cent. You know, I, I'm a huge fan of uh, Cameron's diss to... Uh, 50 50 Curtis. Curtis yeah you know uh there's I mean there are so there are really so many mm-hmm. um so I I wouldn't equi- unequivocally but I would say it is probably in the in the disc song hall of fame yes yes I agree for sure all right let's move on to the next question so uh the next question comes from someone who has a golfer as a their like a golf emoji as their username from Instagram <laughs> <clears throat> uh so uh, it's a black golfer, so we're going to assume this is Tiger Woods. <laughs> this question comes from Tiger Woods. Uh, can you all talk about Lil Baby's historic 2020 run? Hey, miss, sh- shout out to this question. <clears throat> yeah, great question. Great question, because it, it is historic, and it is something we should talk about. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I think if we hadn't had a hiatus, we definitely would have had a, probably a Lil Baby uh, episode uh, in the spring, uh, because Lil Baby is arguably one of the top you know, three to five rappers in 2020. Totally, totally. Um, he is kind of interesting because he is uh, risen to the top of, of kind of a post-trap Atlanta with a style that is sort of anti-Migos, anti-SoundCloud. He's a really technically strong rapper. He raps really quickly uh, a lot of the time. Uh, really just very technically proficient. Uh, his his stuff is a bit more substantial, you could argue, than uh, like Amigos, say. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's sort of become 
I would say he's kind of like the coolest, like in terms of like kind of coolness factor, he's almost like the top rapper in the game, you know, like he's kind of like, uh, there's always like, there's usually a rapper that's sort of like the streets favorite uh-huh. and, 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 you know, that, that's usually kind of the, you could argue the best, the, usually that is the title given to the best or one of the best rappers at, a, at, a, at that moment. Um, and so I feel like little baby has, has taken that mantle on Mm -hmm. at this point yeah his his album my turn is does double platinum so Mm -hmm. it sold two million copies this year it's one of the best-selling albums of the year of in all genres and it has no pandering singles yeah you know it's not like he's got like throw on some bruno mars or even like a beyonce or rihanna on there that's true i mean he 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 has some of the you know, certainly one of the best rap songs of this year is, is on that album. It's a song called Emotionally Scarred. Mm-hmm. Let's actually listen to a bit of Emotionally Scarred by Lil Baby. A love letter came through the mail. It said I miss you. I ripped it up and flushed with the tissue. Try to forget you. I ain't got nothing against you. We human, we all got issues. But I'm tired of being tired of being tired. That part of me didn't die. I see it, then I don't act like I'm blind. I'm confident it won't be one of mine. No emotions come with lies. So I tell her truth all the time. Ain't got no sympathy for no bitch. I admit that I'm rich and I'm lit. Jumping up on stages, I get 200 occasions. But I ain't really for the game. Or we make niggas shut they trap down. They see how I made it. I'm the reason they won't rap now. See me out in traffic, make a hater pull his head down. The biggest OG salute me. A stylist can't even stop me. The robbers probably won't get me on my pen. I let my guineas. The Yankees turn in my city. They try me. I get it cracked. So yeah, he's also like a very technically gifted rapper. He's also put out some fantastic radio station freestyles. Like he has um uh, he has a freestyle on Charlie Sloth show, mm. the Apple Music show, the UK uh, radio host, and it's like an incredible freestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like very talented, and it's like he's a, a good example of somebody who kind of got the Drake stimulus package. Like Drake. Mm-hmm. Uh, featured on on one of Lil Baby's songs called Yes Indeed in 2018. Mm-hmm. And then he took that and like parlayed it into like... Just like another victory, growth after after growth. Yes. Like, he just kept climbing. Yeah. And it's like even now for him to be as big an artist that he as he is, making non-pandering like hip hop, like mm-hmm. very much street in the hip-hop. street hip hop in the mold of like trap rap and yet be one of the most popular artists in the world today. Mm-hmm. Like that is a huge testament to his skill and to what's unique about him. Yes. You yeah. know, we've talked about him a lot on this podcast and a lot of times it's like talking about just like how, you know, he has the ability to put like an entire, an entire like world or a certain mood in one line. Mm-hmm. He's like very skilled and then this year, he also did something that I thought was very interesting, where he kind of stepped into more of like the conscious role, mm-hmm. where he put out a song called "The Bigger Picture," mm-hmm. which was the George Floyd, yes, uh, sort of protests. In the aftermath of the George Floyd, uh, you know, inspired pro- protests that happened, uh, he put out a, a very kind of like, I don't know, a measured, a measured, thoughtful song yeah. about the whole situation. It's very like, um, it's very evocative. Like mm-hmm. it's very like. Um, it's not like uh, this sort of weird. It's not like a political pandering, like uh, like rally cry or something. That who's trying to you can someone who's just sort of trying to be a little opportunistic. Mm-hmm. To but it's someone who's speaking about their experiences and this, their the experience of the people they care about. To to personalize it to to put kind of you know put the experiences that so many African Americans have with police. Uh, you know, into a song. Yeah, and it, it was the highest charting single of his career. It hit number three on the Billboard um, Hot 100. Um, and yeah, it's like it's interesting. He he has said since then that he's not going to do any other political songs. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's probably because um, just reading, you know, he had this interview in GQ, and I think it's like what happened is that he started meeting with some different political leaders and he met with one, I think a DA in Atlanta, in Atlanta. And this is a guy who actually put him away. And then they had some meetings about criminal justice reform. And then a few days later, that guy's team put out a statement saying that little baby had endorsed him. Oh wow. And little baby's like, no, I didn't. We just had a conversation. And I feel like it was probably some slimy incidences like that, where he Mm -hmm. was just kind of like, Getting in politics is his own headache. Yeah, yeah. I think he is working with um, the mayor of Atlanta to kind of uh, to Keisha Lance Bottom to, to 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 talk about some criminal justice reform and stuff. But I think he like he got a lot of good press for the bigger the bigger picture. I think he it showed a different side of him. It showed his versatility. But I also think he was like, I don't want to become like a political rapper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I mean, there's something kind of funny about you know 
if you listen to this podcast a lot, you know, uh, or if you're just a general rap fan history and you know your rap history, you know how slimy the rap industry could be. It's kind of funny that someone who could so successfully navigate the like treachery of the rap industry uh, in 2020 would like just dip his toe into politics and be like, oh, no, thank <laughs> you. People are disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's also funny that, you know, before the rap industry, he was like a drug dealer. Yeah. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? And he's like, he's like, oh, like, I need to get back to the more honors, honest people, you yeah, know? Exactly. Like, um yeah anyway this 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 year that little baby's had has been exceptional he's had some like tragedies in the this is like once again another theme if you talk talk about our last episode with gucci and jeezy and megan and and just like that and even tory lane's like the the tragedy and triumph of their years tory lane's is more self self self-inflicted uh but you know one of little baby's really close friends a rapper named marlo or little marlo died earlier this year Mm -hmm. and like in the best year of his career so it's like you know, that's the thing for a lot of rappers. Rap is such a dangerous job to have. Mm-hmm. Like there are, there are just a lot of obstacles at every corner and yeah. And people are gunning for you like mm-hmm. figuratively and literally, literally. Um, I, I, I just want to point out that he made, I think the best song of the year, which is what we paid. We paid. Yeah. Featuring 42 Doug. Let's, let's, let's ride out on this, on this question by uh, listening to we paid by little baby. Just put on your flashes and follow the hearse and you say you gon' ride Cause somebody gon' die if they fuck with us Turn a five to a dime, that's a double up Fuck around, walk in church with my double cut This shit that happened, I'm praying I give it a uh, So, from uh, the Boozy Fake group um, We have a question from a close friend of ours, Zeke uh, We love Zeke Zeke is, shout out Zeke uh, Who is the cutest rapper? Hmm, it's a very tough question Yeah who, who's, who's in your top, like, three, three to five cute rappers cute rappers i find you know who i honestly find cute is cardi b yeah i find cardi b like there's something very wholesome and charming about her style of like sense of humor and and there's a moment there's a moment when uh we might have mentioned this on the podcast before there's a moment where she claimed king of new york and funk master flex you know went on some rant on the radio about it and the way she responded was, you know, I hear people saying I'm not king of New York. That's right. I'm not the king of New York. I'm the emperor. And then she took a lampshade and put it on her head. <laughs> and then started be like, and now as an emperor, I need to get to uh, first matter of business. Where are these raccoons coming from? <laughs> it was so funny and cute. And just such a great response to like this weird, like, kind of sh- a little bit chauvinistic bravado that Fun Flex was targeting towards yeah. her. I found that very cute. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a good answer. Um, Rico Nasty, Flo Millie. Yeah. What about male rappers? Male rappers. Yeah. You know, I, you know, this is going to be maybe sort of a controversial uh, uh, answer, but I find um, the way Kanye is with his kids incredibly cute. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like a photo from from Halloween where they were all dressed up in like as Flintstones and he was Dino and he's in this like very large dinosaur costume. <laughs> I was just like, that is so cute and so funny. Uh-huh. You uh-huh. Know? Okay. Outside of behavior, I'm just talking about pure looks. Pure looks. Who's, who's, mm. who's, who's got like a cuteness to them? Yeah. Male rapper, cute male rapper. Cute rappers. male rapper. The, the category is cute male rapper. <laughs> uh, hmm. You know, it's not like a thing I associate a lot of a lot of rappers with. Mm-hmm. It would have being, to be like a young rapper. It would have to be someone young um, and eager. Yeah, and it's like the the Ray Shr- Ray Shrummer. Oh always, yes, they that's always a good look one. Like little elves to me. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I was there, kind of. That's in a good that one. Ray Shrummer. Ray Shrummer. Uh, who else is Who else is cute? There's some people I'm definitely forgetting who have like Just a cute size. Somebody small, probably. Yeah, a, a, a like, pint size rapper. Yeah, I mean like. Um, little Uzi Vert is little the cutest Uzi Vert. Rapper. There you go. He's the cutest rapper. That is right. It's uh, little that's Uzi what Vert. I, was looking, I knew I was the answer one. is little Uzi Vert. He's that the is the cutest rapper. rapper. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he's got his like cute little shimmy. Yeah, his, like his style. Even little... the way he talks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. outside of looks, like the way he speaks is like very cute. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's this amazing video where he's like, I don't know playing football or something like that yeah. in a park and there's some kids videotaping him and he's like it's kids on a school bus kids on a school bus yeah. he came up he walks over he's like oh well, you know what are you guys up to around here i, I haven't been here very long yeah. you know he's like <laughs> yeah. on tour and it's just so like it's like this new kid at school yes you know? totally totally uh he's, so the answer is little uzi vert yeah. that's the that's the definitive answer yeah okay this question comes from uh oh man this is an incredible instagram yeah, handle it is it's um, it's from Black Girls Rock, but 
uh, Black is spelled with the six, like that, like the R and B singer, Six Lack, Six Lack, also known as Black. Yeah. Um, the question is, do you think J Cole can rap just as well as Kendrick, especially coming off his two year feature run? So J Cole in the past few years has done twenty five features after very famously not doing features for quite some time or having featured on his album. So the question is, do you think J Cole can rap as just as well as Kendrick? As I like this question a lot. Um, in part because uh, two years ago, I would, you know, not have entertained it at all. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've never really understood J. Cole being in the sort of top category of rappers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's always he had a lot of the time struck me as someone who thinks he's very smart, who uh, will reveal himself to be less smart than he actually. Yes, that is. is true, actually. Um, I mean, he's not obviously he's a technically co- like uh you know, competent rapper and he has some good songs uh, as, um, as like a solo artist. But one of the things I didn't really like about him for a long time was that he didn't play with other rappers. He wouldn't have features. He wouldn't do features. And like, one of the things I really enjoy about rap is, is seeing how like rappers of different styles can work together. Um, and, and, you know, so, uh, beyond that, it, it sort of brings up a good question of how, uh, each of us, qualify what makes like a um you know a great rapper because i mean in, implied in this assumption is that kendrick is sort of at the top of, of the rap yeah, game yeah which i don't think well, i'm not going to dispute even yeah. if he's not my very very favorite rapper i wouldn't dispute that he's an incredibly talented rapper mm. incredibly talented artist um you know there's sometimes i feel like there's a bit of a false dichotomy about technical rapping lyrical ability um that you know uh, in terms of the skill of rapping in terms of 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 people trying to kind of remove the art from the skill of rapping Mm -hmm. you know in the sense of like in the way that i guess you could have like a really talented guitar player who can't necessarily write a good song Uh but they can if you if you show them what to do they can play it really well or Mm. something like Mm. that that's kind of how i try and figure it out or or like there's a painter who can make really beautiful abstract work but they can't really do like a photorealist still life you know those are kind of metaphors i try and think about in terms of thinking about what makes are these types of artists really great so what you're saying is like there there can be somebody who's a really skilled lyricist but they don't necessarily make great songs yeah i mean but you know i th- I think that's sort of the the notion at hand right mm-hmm. I, it's not necessarily something i agree with because i think uh writing a clever bar is a skill is but one part of being a rapper it's and it's often given too much importance i agree with that i agree um and so uh you know i th- i i I definitely now, so now I do appreciate J. Cole more to be, same. but it doesn't change the fact that Kendrick has been doing amazing features for a long time and also just has every, the maybe set you could argue Section 80 or the Black Panther soundtrack, but pretty much all of Kendrick's main projects are to me still miles better than anything that J. Cole has ever done. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that is mostly pretty true. I do think like Kendrick is like, I mean, I think it's almost unfair to care any, compare anyone to Kendrick. Mm-hmm. I think that I also think that it, it, that Kendrick, as appreciated as he is, is also sort of underappreciated. Mm-hmm. I think I think we, we generally take Kendrick for granted so much because he's been so consistently amazing mm-hmm. that you kind of like it's like and also that he's not always present. Like he disappears for a while in between albums and stuff and like mm-hmm. is a very like more low key kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um but like I mean, if you go back and listen to listen to uh, Good Kid, Mad City, mm-hmm. it's like it's almost astonishing somebody could rap so well. Yes. You know, yeah, like and, it's and like so creatively, you know, it's creatively rich. Like mm-hmm. you know, and like it's very. You know what? I was thinking of like I was thinking of a forgotten Kendrick verse that's like incredible, which is his verse in the Pusha T song Nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Let's actually listen to a little bit of Nostalgia, Kendrick's mm-hmm. part from Nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It's like he in the song he he can put an entire universe in the song specific memories talking about his his fucking his dad's chest hair mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and like like just like you know there's there's there are very few rappers that can do that like he does it and just the way he uses his voice and different flows I find it to be very like enter, entertaining and very original mm-hmm. I will say like kind of agreeing with you I think J Cole has been incredible in the last few years like mm-hmm. um 
I I went from being somebody who didn't really care for J. Cole to being like, this guy is pretty damn amazing. Yeah. I, I'm very thankful that we have him in music. Mm-hmm. Um, like, even, like, I think about the song that he put out, like, uh, last year, Middle Child. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking great song. Yeah. Very deep song. Mm-hmm. And just, like, really catchy, very memorable. Let's actually listen to a little bit of J. Cole, Middle Child. Mm-hmm. Niggas been counting me out, I'm counting my bullets, I'm loading my clips, I'm writing down names, I'm making a list, I'm checking it twice and I'm getting them hit, the real ones been dying, the fake ones is lit, the game is all balanced, I'm back on my shit, the bitly is dirty, my sneakers is dirty, but that's how I like it, you all on my dick, I'm all in my bag, it's hard as it get, I do not throw powder, I might take a sip, I might hit the blunt, but I'm liable to trip, I ain't popping no pill, but you do as you wish, I roll with You know, he, beans, he to me, and it, even with what he did with the Dreamville, the Dreamville project, oh, where he, so good. it's just like, it's really amazing. It's been amazing to see how he's taken this role as like an ambassador of hip hop and somebody who wants to bring people together. And he's talked about, you know, reaching out to people in, in hip hop who are who are kind of like going through dark times and trying to do that big brother thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he has made some fucking real bonehead decisions like when he was beefing with No Name. Oh, yeah. That was embarrassing. Yeah. That was fucking embarrassing. And, and shout out to No Name's res, like response. Yes. That was yes. really dope. Well, well handled. Very well handled by No Name. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think. I, do I think that he's in the same just rap just as well? I don't think he can rap just as well as Kendrick. Yeah. I do think that he belongs in the conversation of like top five to ten rappers. I don't think that. I will. Go, I'll, I will say because you know, just to bring it back. <clears throat> ultimately, what do I think? I think there are lots of different ways you can quantify best rapper, hmm. but to me, the best way to do it is in in the quality of their music. And as good as his features have been, it still doesn't really compare to me in terms of of to, it doesn't well, it doesn't compare. You can compare it, sure. It's still just not quite on the level of artists who have a, a track record. Now, other people might enjoy his his previous his earlier work more than I do. Um, but I, 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 you know, for me, um, he is, he has grown on me tremendously, but he is still has, you know, if he can put out even one album, that's as good as to pimp a butterfly, good kid, mad city, or, um, uh, uh, damn. damn, then we can start talking about it. Yeah. But he hasn't done that yet. He's been done some amazing features. He's improved in my Friday, night, Friday night lights is pretty good. It's pretty good, but I don't think it's as good. That's just yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I don't. I don't think it's as good as any of Kendrick's stuff, but it is. It is really good. And and you know, I mean, you can argue. And for me, you could. You probably like James. You love Playboy Cardi, but for me, Playboy Cardi is more distinct than J Cole is. Mm. You know, uh, he's more creative and successful in what he does. For me, that's my taste. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, you like uh, you like baby talk. I like baby. Talk. James prefers if someone talks to him like a little baby. I I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> That's actually his kink. You know, he was talking about how he doesn't like he doesn't like feet, but he's like, if you baby talk this guy, wow, watch out, <laughs> airing me out, Just putting our business on front street. I see how it is. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Okay. Let's so, do one more question. We've got lots of questions, so we're kind of struggling to pick, but this is just another good reminder. If you've been listening to this and thought of any questions, please hit us up on at Catch Up Podcast on Instagram. Yep. Uh, if you know us personally, you can also just send them, uh, but it, it's more likely we're going to remember them. And we're going to kind of try and do these question and answer uh, podcasts a lot more regularly. Yes. So if you can even get in the habit, if you're just listening to something and you're like, oh, I wonder what they think about whatever yeah just hit just hit us up please we would love that you know um, um so this episode comes from via the boozy fake group from our member uh geneva bukowski i would love an episode where there is some evaluation acknowledgement discussion regarding known predators and abusers in the industry and people around them enabling them to continue having careers and how we can better support women particularly black women re tory lane's megan situation to cite just one example Maybe the show centers on showcasing some up-and-coming women in rap as a counterbalance. We've just found out about UK rapper Octavian being a domestic abuser as another example, and he got dropped from his label. The whole boycott Rhymesayer situation that emerged in September seems seemed to fly under the radar, but was actually pretty significant. It feels like there is more stories emerging, and I feel like it's well th- worth delving into the topic further and hearing men talk about it. Even shows like The Breakfast Club have been drenched in casual misogyny, toxic masculinity for years with li- very little reckoning. Well, I mean, this is obviously a huge question and like a a big topic. It's one we have talked about mm-hmm. uh, in the past uh, a number of times. 
Um, but you know, I think that there are, there's always a lot to say about it at the same time. I will say, I forgot that rhyme sayers were even a thing. I was totally unaware <laughs> of the boycott rhyme sayers I was too, thing actually. because I don't really, we don't, that's not really our, our, our cup of tea of hip hop, I can say for both of us. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, 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 hadn't, I hadn't heard of that prior to you asking this question. I mean, it, it, part of the reason it probably flew under the radar is they're not really in the public eye that much outside of their fan base. Very niche. They're very niche. I mean, they were, for people who don't know who they are, they're sort of back, backpack rappers who are really popular. What's a backpack rapper, James? A backpack rapper is someone who uh, is sort of focused on what they perceive to be the original uh, virtues of hip hop that were established in the 1980s. You know, there's, it's, uh, there's a, a conscious element, a spiritual element, mm-hmm. um, you know, some examples of, of backpack rappers include people like Talib Kweli, mm-hmm. um, Most Def. Most Def. Uh, but even more so, I would I would argue in retrospect, the people like Atmosphere. Yes. Uh, like um, uh, ASAP Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, these people who are, who are kind of outside of the hip hop mainstream, uh, they relish being in the underground and they, they actually can, they really... Um, dilated peoples. Dilated peoples. <laughs> the people who they're, they're part. A large part of their theme is rejection of a commercial lot of hip hop. Commercial hip hop and the and when the values that they espouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can understand why a group like like a a group who are part of that movement, who are revealed to have had these misogynistic tendencies, when they're sort of a little bit, they're seen to they show themselves to be more virtuous. Yes, that's right. Than their peers, I can understand why that would be significant. But again, it's not really our or something that we're we're super aware of because it's not really our area. Okay, of but focus. what about the stuff that we are aware of? Well, we're aware of a whole lot of other. Yeah, things, I know. You know, uh, um, so the Octavian thing was really it was disgusting uh, and really disturbing. ugly. Very disturbing. Um, you know, I mean, let's be honest. Like, like violence against women is is not just like a hip hop problem. Mm-hmm. It is endemic across cultures, uh, across subcultures, across musical genres, across across musical genres. Um, but uh, you know, hip hop is not to say that hip, that hip hop doesn't have a, a big problem with it because it does. Massive, massive problem. Massive. Um, you know, there's there's lots of different ways to to approach this. I mean, it's, it's the question of of the music you listen to and how you process that. It's the the if you're more part of the commun- active part of a, a music community, um, how you deal with it within that community. I mean, I think that's one area where I feel um, more strongly uh, in terms of. Uh, where you can really maybe make a difference, or or perhaps uh, where it's gonna you're gonna it's gonna feel like a, maybe even a stronger reality. Like what? Like not playing certain artists? Well, I think even being if in your city, you know, if you are part of the hip hop, uh, part of the hip hop scene, if you go to the clubs, if you go to concerts, all that kind of thing, the homegrown artists who have have done, uh, you know, who've been accused of even accused of acts of, of, of violence towards women, because the reality is, unfortunately, the justice for acts of violence towards women is rarely a reality in, it, the, in the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, I, we, I, I can think I can speak for both of us that we believe, you know, victims, we were going to give bi- victims the benefit of the doubt when there are allegations. Mm-hmm. We don't, it, it doesn't come down to how a court, you know, sentences, because frankly, I mean, uh, we don't trust the criminal justice system for much. It's true. It's you know? true. And al- and also it's like, you know, I'm a person, I'm not a fucking court of law. The, yeah. the standard, the standard of proof to me is not, was this person convicted of a crime for this? Like, mm-hmm. that's not the standard of proof to me. Like I, I can make a decision or I'm more inclined to lean towards one way based off something other than the legal, the criminal justice system. Yes. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I think this is an ongoing problem. I think one of the feelings I, ha- I, I, there's two things that, that come to mind for me. Um, one of them is that as painful as these things coming to light is, it does feel that people care about them more than they used to. And, uh, that shows that maybe there's some potential for progress and reckoning because 10 years ago, 15 years ago in hip hop, this stuff was back pages news yeah you know unfortunately uh and now you know there are have been real consequences for artists 
in some cases. There are listeners are starting to pay attention to these things and care about them more. So I do think there are as as painful as mm. this stuff can be. I think there is cause for some. There's been some progress. Some progress. Some cause for hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we area. how do we continue to improve upon the process, progress? I think that's like that, that's sort of what the question is. And I think there's also an element of like, what do you do with certain artists who, you know, are accused of violence against women? Mm-hmm. Um, and then continue to seemingly thrive. Like, obviously, I'll be on a smaller scale. Like, if you take, um, like, Chris Brown as an example, mm-hmm. you know, he still does major features. Mm-hmm. You know, he works with Drake recently. Mm-hmm. You know, he still has songs that are hitting the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100. What What's the appropriate uh, approach to dealing with that? I mean, honestly, I think as a listener and the fact that he is a mega celebrity it's I kind of think it's up to an uh, individual person because I, I I think it's about your comfort level. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I, I I mean I understand completely why there are a lot of people who feel like he shouldn't have any kind of career. Um, I mean I don't I frankly don't really think about Chris Brown enough that I I, I mean I don't I don't particularly I don't listen to Chris Brown. I don't particularly like him, but I I also recognize that there are artists that I do listen to who have also committed acts of violence. So I don't really feel like it would it's like I can say no one should listen to Chris Brown. Yeah. You know, I don't really think I have that that moral ground. Um what I do think is is it's very justified to to not listen to them. I think it's justified for them to lose endorsements, mm-hmm. to lose record deals, to to face consequences. I also feel that artists, uh, when they commit wrongdoing, should have the opportunity to make up for it. Hmm. Um, you know, that's I, I believe that that can be part of justice. You know, mm-hmm. I think where the justice system fails, uh, we you know as individuals have to find. Um, accountability for artists and uh and so i think you know when an artist tries to atone for it you know um i mean there's an this is not a hip-hop example but an interesting example to me was you know when kobe bryant died earlier this year uh there was some a little bit of controversy because some people really pushed back on him because of his allegations and and i mean he owned up to them they're not really allegations Mm -hmm. he has sexually assaulted someone but you know, I think, and maybe this is just whitewashing things, or maybe this is like a, a slant, but I, I think that there's something to it. There really, you know, a lot of people who knew Kobe well said that this was sort of a, a like a, a watershed moment in his life. After that, he became really dedicated to uh, certain female causes. He He became one of the biggest advocates for women in basketball. He became a really, really devoted uh, father figure you know he became it just sort of it just it changed everything about his perspective and and you know i think uh not that that justifies or excuses his his earlier behavior but i think it i believe that people have room to grow i think people can sometimes make up for for past actions i mean i think the other uncomfortable reality is as the past goes i mean violence towards women issues of consent, these haven't been mainstream issues. A lot of, you know, we live in a, in a sexist, misogynistic world. A lot of people are brought up knowing, not never really being exposed to the alternative. They don't, they're, they're unaware of feminism. I mean, and I think that is changing now, but um, where a lot of hip hop artists come from, you know, I, it, again, it doesn't excuse it, but it is the reality that, that something like the complexity of, of consent are maybe things they've never been exposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, there's also residual traumas that uh, are passed down through uh, generations and, and are also part of their socialization of, of where they're brought up that bring out angry, violent tendencies. It's just, these are just facts. Mm-hmm. So, I think, yeah, I, d- I do think it's also like to, to some of the points you've made, which are, I think are really good ones. It is also incumbent on the uh, person who's been accused of the violence to actually want to change, change and, and make, and make chains. And like, you know, I, I, I do think that like, you know, not to keep harping on Chris Brown. I just think he's like the easiest example. I do think there's a lot of con- when it comes to conversations about violence against women and music. I do think that there is like, it is like sometimes overly focused on Chris Brown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but like he, 
for instance, just hasn't seemingly made any amends for it. He was accused of domestic violence of his, of a second part of like mm-hmm. another partner after Rihanna. And it's like, and yet despite all of this, you know, it just doesn't really affect his career. I mean, it has in the sense has, that he's, he's, yes, he's not, sure. he's not going to be doing Pepsi commercials. He would have been, like, he would have been one of the biggest artists of this past decade. If it's it true. Happened. That's true. So uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree with you f- for the most part on basically everything, especially just the idea that it is, it is a personal, it's a personal responsibility thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a personal choice thing. Like I think that if you're, if you're a gatekeeper in, in music and I, I wouldn't call us gatekeepers necessarily, we, we're like, like maybe of a certain small community in terms mm-hmm. of like DJing and clubs and like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like then it's like incumbent upon you to be like, well, we're not going to play like Takashi six, nine for instance, or something like that. Like yeah. it's like, and like, I think that we've made those kind of decisions. I think that otherwise when it comes to like the music industry at large, I think there needs to be a bigger conversation mm-hmm. at the label level. And the truth is like the only way that conversation happens is if people put enough pressure on these labels mm-hmm. to, to figure out a way, a, a smart way forward. Because ultimately at the end of the day, these, these labels, they're businesses. And if an artist is going to make the money, they're going to work with the artist. The only way that, that we won't, they won't work in, with an artist is if there's enough bad public relations enough bad pr Mm -hmm. that they feel like it's it's like it's financially politically socially morally not in their best interest to continue working with these artists yes so i mean i think yeah i mean it's it's this is it's an ongoing struggle um i think that they're yeah in your own in your own community it can that is a place where you can because uh, it's easy to feel sort of powerless when it's another artist, another celebrity mm-hmm. uh, c- comes and goes, and another act of violence, and they're, um, you know, that they are. Uh, what can you do about it? Where, but in your own community, you know, there are, frankly, wherever you are, if you're in the music music scene, there are people who are abusers who are taking advantage of women who are hurting them. And, you know, that's a place where you can really choose who you support, Mm -hmm. who you, who's, you know, who's like club nights do you go to? I mean, if it's like, I think probably most places are like Toronto in that in the last few years, you've heard about people and sometimes Mm -hmm. there are charges laid. Sometimes it's just on word of mouth. That's right. And, you know, uh, you know, for us, if there, if there have been people that we've heard about who maybe the stuff hasn't come to light, we've kind of tried to stop working with them, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. be, be associated with people. Definitely. But, definitely. Know, it's about like how you handle it within the communities that you're a part of and, and what, like, you know, kind of affect change in a, you, you, you have to try and affect change in what's, what's within reach. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a little harder with like, you know, for instance, like with us and like, let's say a Kodak black, we don't really have much power over mm-hmm. what happens with him what we have power over is like, you know, do we discuss his, his, his album for an hour in our podcast? Or, do or, we, or how do we discuss it? Because the thing is, it. Yeah. I, I don't think that like this, you know, I, I don't believe in that there's such thing as cancel culture, but I, I do think that it's like, there's sometimes there's a notion that artists shouldn't be discussed who have on like something like a podcast or on a website, shouldn't get any coverage as a response to the, as sort of a sort of correction. I don't really think that does that does uh, much good because hmm. that just means that coverage goes other places. If you're capable of having that nuanced discussion, I mean, when we talked about Kodak Black, uh, it's in light. It's not. It's totally in light of of who Kodak Black is. You know, we don't try and separate the artist from the art, but we also don't try and and uh, just use our platform as purely like a, a discussion of the morality of him it's but it's both mm, you know mm-hmm. we bring in the that we want to you know because i think the other thing is you can't always presume that other that other that everyone who knows about kodak black understands what these charges mean you know what this is very true and this reminds me of a of a, of a con- like i was on a panel for um canadian music week a few years ago and uh, there was someone, this journalist that was on there, a really amazing journalist named Melissa Vincent. And it was a little bit after Excess Tentacion had died. And she was talking about, you know, she's like, yeah, you know, I have a, a younger brother and he's like, he's like 14. And him and his friends, they all love X. They all love, you know, Excess Tentacion. And it's like, and they don't really understand like about the, his violence against women situation. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think about like, Obviously, there's a different level of access to information for kids now versus than when we were kids. But like, similarly, I think about like 
you know, not necessarily the same scale, but I think about like Eminem, for instance, mm-hmm. and his songs about like his songs that are domestic violence songs about him harming, harming like his, uh, the mother of his children and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's like, as a kid, I had no, I would hear the lyrics and nobody was saying, but I had no real conception of like what that actually like, meant in the real world. Exactly. And like, it's a really complicated idea. And I think that's also the other thing with some of these artists and about the people that the fans that, you know, do or don't care about their, their violent past is that they're just, it's like for, it's it's a hard concept to understand for some people who aren't really faced with it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't go out looking for it, it's hard for they're not gonna learn it from, you know I don't know if they'll learn it necessarily from being like, Well, we don't like this artist because they've done X, Y, they've done they've committed violence against women. They're like I I I don't I don't even really know what I'm saying about this. No, no. I mean yeah. I think what you're saying like I understand what you're saying. It's I mean it's just this point that it's like there are people if you don't talk about him on a podcast like Catch Up, for example, and I mean, I think this is sort of almost what the question is getting at. If you don't like if you don't talk about these things, it's just sort of brushed under the rug a mm. little bit, you know, and I think because um, it, it's, you know, she, he, part of the question here is is like having men talk about this uh, as a, a, as like an acknowledgement and discussion of it. And I think, you know, part of the thing that we try and do is is present the situation in fairness and fairness doesn't mean there are two sides to every story. Like some people, you know, think on their, on their like, um, men's rights. Tip. <laughs> it's too, it's, there's the story of the artist, how the artist came to be his music. And then there's like the actions of the artist there, you know, if, if in, in cases like Kodak black, when they have committed violence, how does that affect who they are as an artist? How does that affect us as a listener? You know, shy, not talking about it is a problem. Mm. That was essentially what happened before. Mm. And so to me, That's I, true. you know, I think, and it, you know, if I was thinking about, my, you know, again, yeah, 13-year-old us listening to Eminem talking about like murdering women, it, we, it was sort of neutral. But when you're that age, you're just impressionable and there isn't really like, you you don't really have a moral compass to be honest. I, yeah, it's, you know. I mean, yeah, I I feel like you just don't even. I didn't. It's almost like I heard the lyrics, but I didn't even connect with what the words really you, meant in you, real life. Exactly, and you can't really understand. And part of the grow part of growing up is coming to understand it. And so for us at like the age, you know, as sort of older hip hop listeners, we're able to to qualify this stuff. We're able to put it into context, and that's and that's part of our approach. Is why I mean, there are some artists that we're not really that interested in talking about at this point. We're not mm-hmm. really interested in talking about R. Kelly. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. what's what's there to be said. Mm-hmm. Similar, it's not like we're going to have a Chris Brown episode. Mm-hmm. You know, we and that, again, this is our choice. I'm not to say I'm sure that someone could do an interesting thing about what where R. Kelly's music is now. Mm-hmm. That he has totally fallen out of public favor. He's you know, in, he's in prison. He's in prison. I mean, his his music career is probably over. I mean, I would say definitely, definitely over. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I, I, I so I, I feel like someone maybe can do an interesting job. That's not something we're interested in doing, but it is why we're going to continue to cover people like Kodak or uh, NBA YoungBoy, people who have been accused of uh, violence against women. But we're still part of that is qualifying the, their real world actions as well as discuss, discussing their music. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully that's a satisfying answer. Uh, you know, obviously this is a, like a, a difficult, challenging topic. And, um, you know, there, there are a lot of, a lot of tender feelings. And, there's, and there, I think there's also a lot of different approaches to mm-hmm. how, you, how you handle, ha- handled these conversations. And we would never begrudge people for not, for totally not listening to an artist because yeah. they even have a hint of, domestic islands absolutely absolutely you know that's yeah. like there are there are artists that i was like i've just i'm never gonna check out this person's music because i already know what they like the violence yeah. that they've committed yeah i mean like i i feel that way about extension or whatever the yeah. his name is like he's hit the details of his crimes are so repugnant that like it's just not interesting to me like mm-hmm. his mu- like his music i can't i'm not going to be able to enjoy it like the phenomena just sort of review of of his popularity is is like pretty unappealing to me. It shows yeah. a lot of the worst sides of, of humanity because he was someone who was such a unapologetic misogynist. Mm-hmm. And you know, to err is human. And even you know, to not to say that like acts of of violence against women are just mistakes, but 
people can do wrong and try and atone for it. But when an artist doesn't try and atone for mm -hmm. it, when there's no acknowledgement, when there's no accountability, for me, that's where I check out. Check out. Yeah. You know? All right. I mean, that's like you. That, yeah. We, that was a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's, it's a lot. A, it's, it's a heavy, heavy, it's a heavy, heavy subject. Heavy, heavy and subject. and I, I feel like, yeah, I guess just to, to kind of wrap it up, it's like, you know, I, I feel like it's like we're all still being educated on it and what mm -hmm. the appropriate actions are and like how you're supposed to handle it or, you know, what feels right to you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's just something that, you know, kind of to the point of this question is like something you had to kind of have to keep talking about and like considering in different and looking at it in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think we'll wrap it up there. Okay, so that is this episode of Catch Up. We want to thank you all for listening and thank you all for sending us DMs and great feedback. And uh, we want to tell you a few things, actually. Uh, first of all, I want to give a big shout out to our producer, Kyle, and our researcher, Corey, and uh, the man behind our music, Caleb. Um, and we also want to mention that we're going to be bringing back our Patreon. Um, so that's at patreon.com slash catchuppodcast. And if you have the means and you enjoy the podcast or have enjoyed it in the past, become a contributor because like we we have some big plans for what we want to do in 2021, and and we've 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 you know we've we've all invested a lot of money and time into the podcast, and mm -hmm. and and any any bit of support you can offer if if you enjoy what we do and you want us to keep doing it would go, will go a long way. Yeah, it it, it uh, you know I know these are hard times for some people, and and you know don't feel guilty if you're not in a position where you can make like a contribution like that. We're still going to be putting out the same content, mm -hmm. um, but if you can afford it, you know we're going to have, uh, do some some cool, uh, you know, little perks. Like yeah. you know, you're going to do some playlists. I I love making playlists, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I think I'm pretty good at it too. Yeah, so, I, th I think so too. Um, so we're gonna we're, we're talking about doing some live Zoom events. Zoom events that are just for our Patreon. Might be some James Rathbone feet pictures on there. I haven't just I haven't cleared this with him, but yeah, we'll see what the the subscriber level is, <laughs> like the contributions are. I mean, like you know, uh, we're also that's actually a good segue. We're gonna be launching our OnlyFans as well. Uh, yeah, feet pics. Uh, you know, you, you just let us know in the comments what kind of stuff you want to see on our OnlyFans. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So. So yes, if if you if you'd like to contr uh, contribute to helping the show continue and continue to grow, please go to patreon.com slash catch a podcast and uh we'll we'll get some of these perks to you. Um otherwise Yeah, I, I mean, think that's it. Yeah, you know, I mean I hope you know you're doing okay in this crazy time mm -hmm. and uh be safe. Yeah. Wear a mask. Yeah, be well. Be well. All right. Bye guys. <laughs>